NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, offers exclusive content Monday to Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Alongside Malika, there's a full cast of NBA experts and insiders, including Kendrick Perkins, Shanae Agumake, Vince Carter, Zach Lowe, Woj, Ramona Shelbourne, and many of our NBA reporters from around the league. Get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap, and also available as a podcast. Listen to NBA Today wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast as we look ahead to week 14 in the NFL season. Man, once you get past Thanksgiving, it really does start to pick up speed and the weeks become a little bit like a blur. Until you get to Thanksgiving, the season sort of plods along and then it picks up speed and it all goes downhill from there. On today's podcast, we will be joined by the former All-Pro linebacker, of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ryan Shazier, who has a new book out with Larry Platt called Walking Miracle, How Faith, Positive Thinking, and Passion for Football Brought Me Back from Paralysis and Helped Me Find Purpose. And Ryan Shazier's got a lot of purpose in life, as he will share with us in just a moment here. But what an impressive individual Ryan Shazier is. Really enjoyed talking with him. Doctors once gave him a 20% chance of ever walking again. He beat those odds. He's beaten many odds. You will not be surprised when you hear his upcoming attitude. And we are still thawing out from Monday night in Buffalo, where when we sat on chairs in the pregame show, because they had to shut down our set, which I've never seen before, because the winds were blowing so high that it posed a danger and they couldn't leave the standing set that they had erected there in its spot. When we sat in that chair and there were some videos that made their ways around social media. They, the winds there actually blew us off our chairs. I don't know that I've had that happen anytime recently where you didn't feel safe, where you felt like you could be blown away and you could be flying through the air like a, gust, like a piece of paper. But that's what it was like in Buffalo on Monday night. And what was amazing to me is in talking to some of the players and coaches before the game, I'm sitting there shivering. My teeth are chattering. I just want to stay warm. They don't even care. Really, like they're just focused on that particular night, that particular game. I was talking to one of the coaches and I said, how do you do that? He looked at me like I was out of my mind, like I was soft, which I am. And he said, adrenaline. You know, we know that we're out there for three hours. No place else we'd rather be. And I guess that's the way they operate. But I always think when we're out there, there's no place else that I'd rather be than back inside, out of this wind, out of this cold, where it was just brutal on Monday night. As we begin to look ahead, to some of the more notable matchups of week 14. We've got a lot of storylines. This is when the playoff races heat up. This is when we hear more and more chatter about whether coaches will be staying or going, who will be in demand in terms of coaches. And when we begin to look ahead to this weekend, we get the Ravens and Browns on Sunday, a big AFC North showdown with two teams vying to make playoff pushes. It's the second straight game for the Browns against the Ravens. Baltimore beat Cleveland 16-10 in Week 12. And then the Browns had their bye in Week 13 before now having to go play Baltimore once again. Keep in mind, Lamar Jackson had a career-worst four-interception performance in Week 12, but still managed to improve his record to 5-1 and one against the Cleveland Browns. Speaking of 
division rivalries. We get the Raiders and Chiefs this upcoming weekend. Patrick Mahomes threw for a season high 406 yards in the Chiefs 41-14 win over the Raiders in week 10 in Las Vegas. And the Chiefs defense has really come around. They've gone from being much maligned in the beginning and middle of the season to being much applauded. The difference in this Chiefs team has not been its offense, which is still struggling right now, which is amazing to think about. But the defense, which has really made a difference. Cowboys-Washington, another great divisional matchup. The NFL likes to do these things all in one weekend, right? You get these divisional matchups all in once. Dak Prescott, 12-1 and one in his last 13 divisional games, dating back to 2018. He's 2-0 and versus the NFC East this season with three touchdown passes in each win. And if there's a spot that Washington is vulnerable, it would be through the air. We'll see whether Dak can keep up his success against the NFC East this weekend. Falcons-Panthers, another divisional showdown in the NFC South. The Panthers beat the Falcons 19-13 in Atlanta in Week 8. And Carolina hasn't swept the season series with the Falcons since 2013. So they'll be trying to do something a little bit unusual this weekend. In other matchups that really stand out this weekend, the Bills and Buccaneers. That should be a great one, right? Buffalo getting out of the cold on Monday night that we were all in going down to Tampa, playing Tom Brady. Tom Brady, oh, by the way, is only 32-3 and in his career against the Bills, and those 32 wins are the most by a quarterback against a single team in NFL history. Did you hear that correct? Yes, 32-3 and against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills can't stand seeing Tom Brady. They get him at a time where now they're trailing the New England Patriots. The Bills have to win, and this is Josh Allen's first career start against the Buccaneers and the Bills. Traded up, keep in mind, with Tampa Bay for the number seven pick in the 2018 draft. So the Buccaneers are indirectly responsible for Josh Allen winding up in Buffalo. They were the team that made that possible. We got a great game Monday night. Also, Rams, Cardinals. These Cardinals are really good. Do you realize they haven't lost a road game this year? They've won all their road games by double digit points. They beat the Rams on the road in week 437. 20, which at the time was the Rams' first loss of the season. Kyler Murray had two touchdown passes in that game. Cardinals ran for 216 yards in that game, and that was Sean McVay's first loss against the Cardinals as the Rams head coach. He's 8-1 and one against the division rival. So some really good, compelling divisional matchups this upcoming weekend that will go a long way towards determining playoff positioning, who wins divisions, all sorts of things like that. A great weekend in the NFL ahead. But we also now have ahead a man that I've wanted to talk to for quite some time. And I guess the occasion of him putting out his new book made that possible. But Ryan Shazier, the former Pro Bowl linebacker, the Pittsburgh Steelers, injured his back December 4th, 2017, a Monday night football game against the Bengals. Can remember exactly where I was when it happened. He suffered a severe back injury after a head on tackle that left him initially unable to move his legs. He was taken to a local hospital where they said he had sustained a spinal contusion. He underwent spinal stabilization surgery uh, to basically repair the injured section of his spine to expedite his recovery. The surgery did end his 2017 season and ultimately did end his NFL career, but he has now gone on to write a new book called Walking Miracle with Larry Platt. The former Steelers, all pro linebacker ryan shazier we having a little breakfast a little snack what's for breakfast there ryan no i'm, uh, I'm at a 
I'm having like a lunch. So a good friend of mine, he owns this restaurant named Jimmy Wands here in Pittsburgh. And they had a tequila tasting like a little bit right before. So I was like, I was hungry. So I ate and then I'm still here. So that's why I kind of got like the nice ambiance. It looks, it looks beautiful. You have one of the best backdrops of any guests we've ever had on the Adam Schefter podcast. Yeah, if you come to Pittsburgh, go to Jimmy Wines and Cranberry. Yeah, I promise you a lot of food. So. <laughs> and I hope you're not doing this after imbibing in the tequila tasting. No, 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 no. So, no, so it was literally, I literally had like one small shot. So it wasn't, <laughs> uh, you know how all the restaurants have uh, like different drinks there? Yeah. So he, he uh, they were trying to basically sell him a new drink and uh, to have at his bar and i got to, to taste one of them so we, we can't have puis here you know right you're podcasting under the influence no 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 we're not doing that we're not doing okay that. good I, I just want to make sure about that ryan just want to make no, sure no, about we're, that. we're not doing that oh uh, we have a new book coming out which we've mentioned at the start of this podcast which we'll continually mention to all the people listening today walking miracle it came out the end of november it's in bookstores right now. It's on Amazon. I'm sure anywhere you want to order Walking Miracle by Ryan Shazier with Larry Platt, you can go find that book. But can you take me back, Ryan, to the events of December 4th, 2017, a day that obviously is incredibly significant to you? Yeah, so on that day, it was a, a typical Monday night football game. You, you were getting ready, just enjoying the day like you would normally do before a game. And the thing that was crazy about that week, I actually didn't practice the whole week. I wasn't expected to technically play. I was still questionable. And it was a game time decision and me and Coach Tomlin talked. And I I was, I had a, to me, I had an injury bug. I kept fighting over injuries my, my first few years. So me and Coach Tomlin talked before the game and, and I decided to play. And during that game, I thought I was gonna have a good game. By the time I made my tackle, I think I already had four tackles. It was only the first quarter. There's three or four tackles and it was already the first quarter. So I was like, oh, it's going to be a pretty big game. Pretty big game. <laughs> Josh Malone goes across this, goes across on a, a drag route. And most linebackers, drag routes aren't that hard to tackle. If they throw it to you before it crossed the, you know, across the center. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a pretty easy tackle to make. You know, I, I already had broke on the route. So, you know, with the NFL, with them making all these rule changes without using your head and trying to tackle more with your shoulder. That's kind of what I was trying to do. I try to focus I because normally I'll just go try to make a tackle. It didn't matter how how I made it. I wasn't trying to hit him with my head. I wasn't trying to make a big hit. I just want to make a, a good tackle, get the guy down. And this one, I was like, let me think about it. I actually thought about it and hit him with my shoulder. Hmm. And when I hit him with my I tried to hit him with my shoulder and he was running a little faster than I anticipated and I ended up hitting my head into his hip and I uh, freshened my back. Now, there's a lot there, and we'll get to the fallout of you crushing your back, but you mentioned two things there that are interesting to me. You came into the game injured, and you mentioned the NFL's rule changes. Did either one of those things in your mind have anything to do with the circumstances of that night, either the injury you carried that into that game or the way you went and hit this wide receiver due to the rule change? Um, To me, I'm not going to say it's the NFL's fault, but I think may have the, the rule change may have uh, – been more of an influence than me already being hurt and the reason I would say that is because it made me really think about how to tackle somebody think about like the the tackle I was making and a lot of times when you're playing football especially when it's a game time it's more of a reaction phase when you're in practice it's more thinking about how you're trying to handle a situation but when it's a game it's 
is more reaction. You're thinking on the field like when it's a pass play, but when you're trying to make a tackle, you're not thinking, is this guy going to go right? Is this guy going to go left? Is this guy going to shake me? You're just trying to get the guy down at that moment. And I, I had so much time pretty much with that play development. I felt that I, I thought about like, or let me get my head out of the way instead of before I just went to go make a tackle. I try to hit, if, if you're, you know, if you're running fast across the middle, you know, I'll just try to sweep your legs. You know, if, if it was in a hole, I know, like, I know the situation. So if it's like a fourth and one, I know that I can't let you fall forward. So I have to like push you back, but it wasn't like in that tackle, I wasn't thinking, well, let me push you back before the play. I was like, all right, this guy can't gain a yard, you know, that type of situation. In this play, I, I would actually tack before the tackle, I was actually like, oh, this, like, this is not going to be a, I never said to myself, it's not going to be a hard tackle, you know? So right. I, that was kind of the situation. Yeah. And you go down, and we're going to get to that again in a moment, but I'm curious, how many times now after that play do you replay the circumstances surrounding that tackle in your mind? Do you think about it often? Do you block it out? Do you play it back? I think it's more blocked out. I think I, I, I think like, sometimes I might think about it, or if somebody talks about, like, hey, Ryan, like it sucks that you got hurt or something like that. But I, honestly, I just try to move on because the, the biggest thing for me is I understand – when I try to look back at everything that it could have been, um, I think I would become depressed. I'll be, you know, and, and upset about how things could have been. And I feel like my life is going pretty well right now. So um, I try to live in the moment and just accept things the way they are, because even if I look back at how things could have been, I, I would have still had a why me moment or not why me, but I would have still wish, man, I won a defense MVP, man. I could have won MVP. I won, you know, I, I made seven tackles. I could have made eight. You know, it's right. people always thinking about the more more they could have done. Like Tom Brady's been to two, 10 Super Bowls. He probably wish he wouldn't 20. You know, it's at the end of the day, he, at the end of the day, it's, it's always more you can wish for. So I don't try to think of the whys and why not. I try to just, you know, look at the situation that I have and continue to move on. But that's something that I, I try to, you know, move on with. But I, I, I would never forget it, you know. You go down on that play. You're on the ground. And I remember exactly where I was. I was in ESPN studios. We're watching the game in the green room. The play stops. Everybody is very worried about your condition. What do you remember about laying there, being on the ground, being tended to by the doctors, and hearing whatever it was that they told you at that moment? Like, this is one thing I really talk about in the book. Uh, the, the, th the thing that's crazy about me is, I have a syndrome, and I, and, and I think most people don't have this. And this is I'm too positive syndrome. <laughs> like it's so, a good syndrome to have. <laughs> yeah. So basically, when I got hurt, that what came to my mind wasn't like, oh man, I can't walk. Oh man, this is over. I really thought about like, man, like I literally just bought my wife a dog, and it's supposed to arrive in the morning. Like, what am I? What am I like? <laughs> like, who's gonna pick up my dog? Like that. That was kind of like my my mindset. Because I feel like no matter what, I'm going to get through this. You know, I, I, I already had it in my head, like, I'm, I'm going to get through this. And I didn't think it was as bad as it was. I thought it was more like a stinger. So, like, sometimes when you're dealing with the doctors and the doctors will be feeling your arm and you have a stinger and they feel like it's numb, you can't really do nothing at the time, but it comes back. And I kind of felt like it was that type of situation with my back. And obviously with your back, it takes longer. And that's kind of the situation that I thought it was. So I was like – Man, I have something that's that's kind of difficult, but I'm gonna be back in a few weeks. Like I'm out, you know. But I thought it was more of that type of situation. I didn't really understand how big of a deal it was when I was hurt. 
when did you begin to understand the severity of the injury? Uh, probably about two weeks after. Like, like wait, wait, two weeks? You didn't realize for two weeks yeah, that you had an I, issue? I, I, would, I would say about 10 days. So I knew I had an issue. I knew something was bad. But like people would say, oh, you may never walk again. You may never do this again. But I'm, I'm a believer in Christ. You know, I trust God. And I knew that it's been so many things in my life that people said I would never do, I'd never overcome, and I've overcame them. So I was just like, man, this this sucks, but I'm I'm gonna get through this. It's, it's not that bad. And then I end up having one day when I when I end up uh, getting really sick when I was hurt, and my my god brother was there, and he kind of looked up to me, and I was like a, a mentor and a, a mentor to him. And the, you have the guardrails on the hospital beds. But a guard, it's not like a guardrail, it's like a, a wall type of thing. And I ended up like throwing up. And when I threw up, I threw up back into my face. And I talk about it in the book. And it, it really showed me how weak I was in that moment. And it, it really told me like, hey, Ryan, you're you're not okay. You're, like, you, like, this is going to take a while. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Now you go down and you're thinking of the dog that you are getting the next day. And you're thinking it's a stinger. But when did you find out that basically your back is broken and there's only a 20% chance that you're going to walk again? So the doctor, the, the doctor told us, you know, probably like four days after I got injured. But I, like I said, I just was like, I don't care what you're thinking. I'm going to get through this. Like, yeah. it was kind of like, I understand. Like, I'm like, people are wrong sometimes, you know? So that's kind of the mindset I had. And um, after a while, you know, I started noticing, like, yeah, this is going to take a lot longer than I expected it to. But I, was, I told myself, I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk. Like, the moment I got hurt, I told myself I was going to walk again. I told myself I was going to play football again. So I, just, I knew that I was going to be hurt, but I just didn't know it was going to take as long as it was going to take. When did it hit you that you would not be able to play football ever again, even with your positive attitude? Um, it, it wasn't even the fact that I wasn't going to be able to play football again. It was – more last year, um, because I was still thriving and, and I officially retired last year. But I started to just see some of the deficiencies that I was having. And the doctor said if I stayed at a, the progress I was at, there was a possibility I could make it back. And but, but now, obviously, I still have my disabilities. But 
one thing that I noticed is to me, I felt like I was a pretty good football player before I got hurt. And great player, a great player. Thank you, thank you. And when when I, I was looking back at it and, and I was seeing some of the deficiencies I was having, I was like, man, if if I can't do things the way I did it before, I don't want to do it. Because you know this, Adam, in the NFL, fans are great, but they are they could be they could be cruel. And and you know, one day you could be the greatest gift on earth, and then if you're not playing the same way, then they're gonna ask for you to get out of there. And to me, I, it wasn't for the fans. It wasn't for anything like that. But I didn't want to display something that I wasn't going to be able to to do again. You know, the fans love you, though. You know, I told my producer, Christina, who's on this podcast listening and to make sure that we stay on cue. Yeah. I told her there are certain people that when I tweet about, I can just tell it's a visceral reaction amongst the people that are seeing those tweets. Anytime I tweeted about Ryan Chazier, the progress he was making, the Steelers putting him on a certain list, taking care of him, him making those tweets went viral. Like those tweets I, went crazy. People I, love you. I, I think it's a combination of just me being a, you know, one thing about me, even when I played, I, I try to always bring myself back down to how everybody else is. There's a lot of guys in this league that are great players and I'm not knocking them as people. But sometimes you can see them, but you but you can't imagine them around people, you know, because some of them are just not as good people, people, people persons. And to me, I just my mom taught me this when I was younger. She was like, Ryan, it doesn't matter if you're Michael Jordan or uh, Jason Taylor, because she's seen Jason Taylor in person before. And I was like, Mom, why you didn't get like a picture or nothing? She was like, at the end of the day, everybody is human. Like everybody is born the same way. Everybody value to this earth is the same you might do something special that make people seem like you're more valuable than somebody else but you're never not and to me i always wanted to present myself as no matter what you're going through i'm i'm exactly like you and i always always just try to be positive and just bring light to people and 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 these are the same people that root for me every single day so i just try to show the same love to them and i think that's why that people appreciate it Good for you, Ryan. We need more kindness in society. There's too many mean people as it is, right? Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. <laughs> now, you had quite a lengthy rehab in this book. Walking Miracle is much about the rehab that you undertook to get back to where you are today. What stands out to you about that period of rehab in your life and trying to make it back to football and to put yourself in the type of condition that you are today? I think the thing that really stands out to me about my rehab is that it wasn't just a rehab, but that everything that I've gone through in my life kind of prepared me for this moment. And I think like most people, they have so many situations in their life that they feel like they, they, they can't overcome. But those are the same situations that help you overcome the situation that you're dealing with now. And I think that's what really helped me out. Um, like I had alopecia growing up. I had scoliosis growing up. People told me that I'll never make the NFL. People tell me I'll never make the, you know, college. You know, it's, it's all different type of things. My mom had Crohn's disease. It was, it was so many things going on. And I feel like my odds were, with odds were never in my favor. People were never like, oh, Ryan, you're 100% making it to the NFL. I don't think they tell anybody that. But unless you're like clowny or somebody who's like just physically just bigger, than, yeah, physically bigger than everybody. But to me, you know, it was 1% chance to make it to the NFL. It was a, it's, it's a 5% chance that somebody has 
uh, I mean, 20% chance somebody has alopecia. Same thing with scoliosis. And it's so the odds are, all, I feel like never been in my favor, but I always overcame them. I always was able to achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve. So when they told me that, hey, Ryan, you would never walk again, but they gave me the percentages, I was like, man, those percentages are a lot higher than some of the percentages I had in my life. And that's kind of the, the route I took. And my wife thinks I'm crazy sometimes because it could be a hurricane coming. I'm like, don't worry, tomorrow's going to be a beautiful day. And she, you know, but it, to me, I think that's what's been keeping me uh, going and keeping me uh, the person I am. How did having alopecia and scoliosis impact you as a youth, Ryan? Uh, I, it was very impactful because for me, it was with alopecia, it was impactful because it kind of showed me that everybody has adversity at a young age. Everybody has something they're dealing with at a young age. A five-year-old walking around, that's not normal with no hair. So the, the first thing people think is, oh, this kid may have cancer, or this kid may have an illness, or this kid may be sick. And my parents told me, no matter what you're going through, that everybody has something they're dealing with. Everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be like, I'm going to use Tom Brady because he's, you know, he's the GOAT. I can use Adam, you, you know, you're the GOAT. You know, and, and the thing is, to me, I feel just because I can't see what you're going through doesn't mean that you're not going through something. The thing is, when I was younger, everybody saw what I was going through. So I think that's one thing that kind of helped me deal with adversity is just knowing everybody's going through something, but you just never know what it is. Then with scoliosis, it kind of showed me how to be resilient when somebody tell you, hey, something's not going to work in your favor. Because they told me that I wouldn't be able to play football again when I was younger. And me and my parents had to do what we do all the the right steps to help us out to to be able to play again. And it just showed me that, how to be resilient. Is the scoliosis, was there any correlation between that and the injury you suffered at all? Yeah, it's, it's definitely in the book. It's a, it's a small relation in uh, uh, with how I got injured and uh, with my scoliosis. But to me, you just never know. It could have been a blessing or it could have been a curse. But at the end of the day, um, this is something I, I have to live with, you know, so I'm, I'm cool with it. And your godmother also gave you a bracelet while you were recovering, which eventually became the title of the book, Walking Miracle. So do you you wear that bracelet still? It it, it was inscribed on there? I used to wear it so much that now the words are wore out. So you can't even uh, see it because it was like one of these just like rubber rubber bracelets, like one of these ones. And I, I wore it so much. Like this one right now I have on. I only had it on for a month and it's faded out. So, yeah, I, I used to wear that so much. And it, it's faded out now. I don't really wear it anymore. But, yeah, my whole family, we felt that I was going to be a walking miracle. Everybody that was in my corner, even if they didn't believe I was going to walk again, they never presented it to me. And so everybody told me, hey, Ryan, you know, you're going to get through this. We're all positive And we all feel like I was going to be a walking miracle. That's why we felt like it was a great, great name for the book. And you mentioned – your disabilities how are you disabled today the reason i say i was disabled because I'm, I'm not 100 percent um I, I would say i'm about 85 percent it's some things that i can do it's some things i can't that an average person if they're on a regular basis like just going to work and some of the things like that i can do i can work out pretty well but I, i'm not as strong as i once was my my right my my one leg is a little weaker than it was and uh hopefully i'm not chasing getting chased after any dogs i'm not as fast as i was but uh <laughs> But I, but I am blessed. I am able to do a, a few things. And, uh, but, but I do have, uh, like, I use, I ride a bike sometimes, but it's a pedal assist bike. So it can actually help me, like, push through um, some of the struggles I have when I'm trying to ride it and things like that. But 
on, and I have a small limp, but just little things like that. But other than that, I, I'm, I'm just thankful that I'm, you know, able to do things that people never thought I would. Do you miss playing football? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard not to miss it. You know, uh, you probably miss it even though you, you know, you, you, uh, you analyze it all the time. You know, to me, it's, it's more, uh, I, I definitely miss it. I've been playing this since I was five years old. And my first time ever missing a season of football was when I got hurt. So to, you know, not to play football again, I definitely miss it sometimes. And, but at the end of the day, I know that it, it, sometimes you have to move on. What do you miss about it most? Uh, it's a combination of things that I miss about it most. Uh, the selfish way I miss about it most is just to be out there playing football, making big plays, and you have a, a large crowd. It's always really fun. But uh, as a – but just an unselfish way um, is, is very just – you know, being around guys and just competing with guys, working hard, to me, is almost like a military mentality. When you're struggling with somebody and just thriving your best, thriving your hardest to, to be the best, to be, to overcome something that people never thought you could overcome and go out there and, and will it to victory. To me, I'm a very competitive guy. So just uh, playing football is, a, I think, is one of the most competitive ways to win something and to be able to do that. And and I and one thing I try to tell people is like somebody said, explain the thrill of making a tackle or an interception. I was like, man, it's kind of hard to explain that to a regular person, but imagine having your best day, but getting to do that all day, multiple times, you know, and and have a hundred thousand people cheering for you on your best day, you know. So it's it's to me, it's it's kind of hard to explain. You can't replicate that feeling ever, right? Yeah, yeah. you it, it, you know, it's, it's billionaires and and all these type of people. They 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 try their best to to replicate it, but at the end of the day, if you're not out there, it's kind of hard to do it. So during the course of this recovery, trying to come back, writing the book, even with the positive attitude that you've had all along, and I have great admiration and respect uh, for your outlook and your attitude, was there ever a woe is me, feel sorry moment? Were you ever a human like that, Ryan? I don't think it's, you know, if, if I never felt like, man, like, why am I going through this or why am I dealing with this? I wouldn't be human. I definitely had those moments, but I would probably count them on my hand. And I felt uh, I didn't have a lot of those moments, especially at first. I might have had some of them later, but it was it was probably you know, five or ten times I may have said, why me? But like I said before, when I, when I think of why me, then it, it starts to be a trigger effect. And I look back at the times because I, I, even now I, I look back and if I say, why me? It's like, man, if I never got hurt, you know, maybe I would have won a defensive player of the year. Maybe not, you know, because Aaron Donald won it that year, you know. So, so I, I feel like I had a good year, but you just never know, you know. But but then you look at it like that. You just you never know. Like, like because I even even before then, I was like, man, why did I get hurt? I felt like I was good when I was a rookie, but I got hurt my rookie year. And I, you know, I, could, I wish I could have kept playing all those games. And hmm. I, I just don't really try to think about why me as much, but I, I, it did. I did have questions to God and asked him what the purpose was for this. And I feel like he definitely answered and it really helped out a lot. And what was the purpose of it? And to me, the purpose was to be able to help others that's going through struggles, help others that's overcoming adversity. Like even right now, I think the book will be awesome for anybody that's going through adversity, anybody that's fighting something right now, especially with COVID going on. And like the world didn't expect us to be shut down for two years out of nowhere. And I feel like that's kind of how my book is. Like, nobody in the football world expected me not to be able to play football after December 4th. Like, nobody went into that game 
expecting Ryan Shazier to never play football again after that day. And I feel like my book is a good uh, testimony of how to overcome things like that. And it may not be exactly how you want it, but there is a true message in every, in every struggle that we have. You know, I have a buddy when I was in college, we happened to be away, not together, but at the same place at the same time. And we got out of this bus and went running onto this Island in the Caribbean and a wave hit him, flipped him over, broke his neck and suffered a spinal cord injury. He was 21 years old at the time. It left him paralyzed from the chest down to this day. When somebody suffers a spinal cord injury, he's often connected to that person to talk to them, to tell them what's going on in their life, what is ahead for them, how they can battle through this. Do you often get contacted now? Yeah, so I I started a fund that helps people with spinal cord injuries. It's called the Ryan Shazier Fund for Spinal Rehabilitation. So I, (laughs) I, I do get connected that way, but I also wanted to provide people more rehab and more resources. I don't know what your friend was like, but the average person, they only get about 30 sessions of rehab and only so much funds when it comes to adaptation to their home and just their living in their living. And so that's one thing that I want to provide to other families that are struggling through a spinal cord injury. But then I also do get calls from people all across the country because right now I only can help the ones in this area and I want to continue to expand and grow it across the country. But there are people all over the world that, that go through spinal cord injuries and they, and they give me calls for time and I try to motivate them or just tell them what I went through and how I got through it. Yeah, I would imagine like there are football players out there. They get a call from Ryan Shazier after they suffered a serious significant injury. That probably is a little bit uplifting to them. Nice to yeah. hear your voice. Yeah, it's, it's, you can definitely tell sometimes it's, it's really uplifting, uh, uplifting to a lot of people that's dealing with it, with the spinal cord injury because some of them – you know, most people, when they hear, hey, you only have a 20% chance, most people think that's a no chance, you know. And to me, if you give me 1%, I think I got a chance. Because, Adam, every every football player I told before, man, you're not going to make it to the NFL. Less than 1% of guys make it to the NFL. So I was like, man, you get a – I made it to somewhere that less than 1% make it. So all I need is something in my favor, and I, and I think I'm, I'm going to be all right. So you got the book out, Walking Miracle. You've got your foundation, helping and inspiring other people. You're podcasting, right, on The Ringer? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So how, what takes the most part of Ryan Shazier's days these days? Like, what is a full day like for you? I have a crazy day. My, crazy, my days are pretty crazy because in football, I was a really busy guy. So I told my wife, man, uh, for me to stay out of trouble and, and uh, to be a great husband, I have to stay busy. So I actually started a trucking company as well. And uh, so I own a logistics company that that moves cars across the country. So when people need their cars moved, I, I have that as well. And I'm, I'm there pretty much every day, all day. Wow. I, do, I do the podcast. Uh, I do the podcast. And I also have something called the Ryan Shazer 50 Phenoms. And it's a show that, that that talks about people that's going through adversity and how they overcame it. But just, uh, or, you know, regular people that, uh, that live everyday lives that people don't really know much about. It sounds like you don't have enough hours in the day to get done all that you need to get done. Yeah, yeah. Then I, I still try to figure out how to how to play my video game sometime. I don't know how I do it. <laughs> what video games are we playing? <laughs> so I have an Xbox. So I, I I wouldn't say I have a per se one game I will go to. I probably yeah. the game I probably play the most is NBA 2K because I have a group of friends I play with. But I, I do jump around and play all different type of games. 
And is there time to walk the dog, Ryan? I, I, I let my wife do that. Well, no, hold on. I, I do love the dogs. My wife's a dog person. <laughs> you yeah, know how yeah. that works, really, right? Yeah, she's really a dog person. Yeah, yeah. That's that's five dogs a lot. Five I mean, Labradoodles. Labradoodles? Yeah, All of them. I have a golden doodle. Yeah, they, they are awesome. And I will say that it's like having another kid and I can't even imagine our life without five dogs. And if you had told me one day that when you are in your fifties and working for ESPN, you'll have five dogs. I would have said you're out of your mind. Yeah. But yeah, here I, we are. Yeah. I, if you told me the same thing, I would, say, <laughs> I would say the same. You told me I have one. I would say the same thing because <laughs> going, going into it, I'm, I'm not trying to say anything. Like I, I'm, I'm not a big animal person, you know, like I, and it's not even that I love my dog, but it's, it's not that I'm not, I don't like animals. I just like my space. And you understand that and like animals like to get in your space. So that's, that's, so like, even, even when it comes to people, like I have my sons, they, they can sit next to me, but after a while I'm like, Hey, I'm gonna need you to scoot over a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we see. And once you have the dogs, you can't imagine your life without them. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. I don't know what I'll do with my son, my son, all my dogs went there. Yeah. Hey Ryan, I'm honored that you found the time in your schedule between podcasting, trucking, inspiring, writing, doing everything you're taking shots at tequila to sit down <laughs> and take some time to join us today. I really appreciate it very, very much. And I wish you the very best of luck with the new book, Walking Miracle. Yeah, thank you, Adam, so much for having me. I, I think everybody would love the book. It, it, it's a testament to only everybody. Anybody can read it, not just football fans. And um, uh, one last thing I got to tell you, Adam, we're going to get you next year. Uh, you guys got us this year in, in Ohio, I mean, in, in Michigan, but we're going to get you back. Hey, let, let me tell you something. Nothing personal. I'm telling you, Ryan, I knew that was coming this year. It was due. I feel like you guys, you showed in the game that you wanted it more. Well, you could tell right away, but I'm telling you this. I was at the school in October. I spent an afternoon around the guys, and they were talking the day before they played Rutgers about beating Ohio State. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm used to the NFL. If you're playing – the Cincinnati Bengals this week, you're not talking about the Baltimore Ravens in the last yeah, regular right, season. Right, you're not right. doing that, right? Like they're talking to me about Ohio State and they're saying, you know, this is our time and they've yeah. got signs up. And, and they also are saying like, they're great, but they're not as great as people think they are. And as I've told people, and I said it on the podcast, I had Taylor Lewan on last week. We both were talking in advance how Michigan was going to win. I said to him, it was the week before and Ohio State's pummeling Michigan State, and I'm having lunch with my son, who's a senior at Michigan, and he said, how are we going to stay with this team? And then I have a friend who I went to Michigan with. He walked over to our table. He was in the same place, and he goes, you see Ohio State? We got no chance. And I looked at both of them, and I said, this is exactly what you want. You want Ohio State to crush Michigan State and everybody to think that they're invincible the way that Mike Tyson thought he was yeah. once invincible. And that." Listen, Ohio State's a great football program. They have incredible players. They've had great success. That's not going to change. But on that one Saturday, I'm yeah, telling uh, you, I knew that was coming. Yeah, and and that's and that's what I mean. Like like you're saying, like you guys were talking about this in the beginning of the year. Like this this game meant so much to those guys. And to me, Ohio State it means a lot to Ohio State. But after a while, you know, winning ten years in a row, it doesn't feel as much rivalry ish. To you on the other side. So when when other guys are thinking about you for, like Hutchinson's been there for four years. He's been thinking about this for four years, you know. So uh, obviously he's gonna be a top five pick, but he's still been thinking about this for four years. So it shows you how bad you guys wanted it and you displayed it on the field. 
Well, I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you joining us today. Really enjoyed talking to you. Really yeah, did. I did too. Good You're a good to man, you. Ryan. Thank you very much. Happy holidays to you and your family. Lots of luck with the book. We'll do it again sometime. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. And there is the former Steelers All-Pro linebacker, Ryan Shazier, who has a new book out with Larry Platt called Walking Miracle, How Faith, Positive Thinking, and Passion for Football Brought Me Back from Paralysis and Helped Me Find Purpose. And you could hear the passion in his voice. You can hear the positive thinking in his voice, the faith. That's an impressive individual. And Ryan Shazier is one of those guys, I think, that just inspires a lot of people. Whenever we post about him, talk about him on social media, there are certain players all the time that just have a automatic following. Jalen Smith is like that, the free agent linebacker who played with the Dallas Cowboys. Gardner Minshew is like that. Taysom Hill is like that. There are certain players that just have a certain buzz that whenever you tweet about them, write about them, talk about them, there's a big following that comes along with that. And after our interview with Ryan Shazir, we had the pleasure of heading off to Buffalo for Monday Night Football. And I will say that the trip home from Buffalo was one of the more memorable experiences that I've had in my travels this year. And there have been plenty this year. And it started on Tuesday morning when Booger McFarlane and I left our hotel at 4.30 a.m. Buffalo time to get to the airport for our 6 a.m. flights. And we walked into the airport. I've never seen this before. At about 4.50 a.m. And there was a crowd of paparazzi autograph seekers who I guess just wait in the terminal for people to show up, had Booger sign some pictures, had me sign some pictures. I've never seen that at an airport before, being greeted by autograph seekers who had all these pictures of us asking them to sign. It was a very strange phenomenon. I don't know what they do with them, but there were a bunch of them. And after we signed them, I went into one of the gift shops, got through security, went into one of the gift shops because every city I visit, I make it a point to bring home a snow globe of that city for my daughter. Someone once told me about this. It was a way to document their trips and bring home a gift. And I thought, that's a very cool idea. I'm going to bring home a snow globe for Dylan from every airport and city that I visit. And I had not been to Buffalo in a long time. I've been to Buffalo many times, but I had not been there in recent memory. And I thought this would be a great chance to go get a snow globe. And I walked into the airport this morning. Of all the cities that resemble a snow globe, and I can tell you that if you tune in Monday night, you saw what it was like with snow blowing sideways, snow squalls and 55 mile an hour wind bursts and 20 degree temperatures. It was freezing. It was freezing. So went to get a snow globe on Tuesday morning after seeing the paparazzi autograph seekers. There were no snow globes in the Buffalo airport. Now I've gotten snow globes in Phoenix. I've gotten snow globes in Los Angeles. I've gotten snow globes in depth, but no snow globes in Buffalo where you live basically in a snow globe. So that was very weird for me. So we go from the autograph paparazzi to no snow globes to go sitting at the gate at about 5 a.m. And I'm waiting for them to board the flight. And all of a sudden I realize I look down to go grab my bag and there is no bag. Now I'm a pretty organized, detailed, thorough person. My producer, Christina Buswell, could testify to that. And I go to board the flight when we board at 5.30. I don't have my bag. And I said, what the heck happened to that? Did I leave it in one of the two gift shops that I went into looking for the snow globe? Did I leave it by one of the autographed paparazzi people? What did I do with my bag? Well, the security checkpoint, we were at the last gate in the airport. 
So I had to run all the way back to the two gift shops and the security checkpoint thinking like, what did I have in that bag that if it is gone, if it's lost and I can't recover it because I don't have any ID on there, believe it or not, because it's only been a carry-on bag. What did I lose? Okay, I lost a sweater. I lost my toiletry bag. I lost some clothes. Okay, well, that's the way it goes. A pair of shoes I liked. Maybe gone. Ran back. Well, they had the bag at security. I gather the bag. I go running back. I'm one of the last people to board the flight. And so from the span of being dropped off at the airport at 445, 450, to not getting a snow globe, to almost losing my bag, to boarding the flight, to go back, to trying to thaw out from my Monday night experience in Buffalo, that was quite a little memorable trip home. I have to say that. And so it's nice to be back home finally and nice to start to look ahead to week 14 in the NFL. Before I let you go, please check out Swaggo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst Marcus Spears Swaggo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journeys with can't-miss conversations, and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swaggo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, The Book of Boba Fett is coming to Disney Plus on December 29th, but starting today, you can watch the trailer for this thrilling Star Wars adventure of the legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett and mercenary Fennec Shand. Follow the journey as the two navigate the galaxy's underworld to sh- Follow the journey as the two navigate the galaxy's underworld to stake their claim on the territory once ruled by Jabba the Hutt. That's The Book of Boba Fett. Check out the trailer on Disney Plus starting today. I want to thank Ryan Chazier, author of the book, Walking Miracle, for taking some time to join us from the beautiful locale that he sat down at. It looked like a great, comfortable resting spot. Recommend his book, Walking Miracle, with Larry Platt. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Butswell, for putting up with me and putting together this podcast. I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. And please join us again next week when we'll be back with more information, insight, analysis, in the next upcoming Adam Schefter podcast episode. Until then, everybody, have a great week. Be well and stay safe. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.